So yes, I've encountered a lot of microaggressions, stereotyping and whatnot, but I've also encountered a lot of people that are just curious. Being in the space, it made me realize and understand how powerful media really is. Muslims as a whole don't actually utilize this tool as much as we could. We've got such a powerful tool and we're so busy complaining about it that we're not actually pushing our stories out there as much. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Shared Diversity. I'm very happy to introduce today's guest, who's Amina. She's a writer, a host, a public speaker, marketing and content strategist, and a copywriter. And she's also the founder of Muslim Creatives. If you want to follow us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on Shared Diversity. And please leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. This really will help us to keep up our work and spread the word. Again, Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. I'm so happy that you're here, that you took time. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Okay, to start up, I think today I would just like to have for everyone an introduction as a woman in media and as someone that owns a brand. I'm so excited that you're here, especially as someone that is very young for accomplishing all these things. So what's your story? Well, where do I start? <laughs> um, so essentially, I am a storyteller, and I do that through writing, through poetry, through sparking up conversations. So by profession, I'm a freelance copywriter, content strategist, so I'm in the marketing and PR field. So usually I'm within film, but I've branched out to agencies before. Um, so my role essentially would be if a client comes up to someone and goes, oh, we want to start something online, we want to start a campaign or something, and they give us a brief, my job would then be to read that brief, do the research, and then come up with really cool content ideas for them. Yeah, essentially that's what I do. I do write here and there, but yeah, essentially I, it's all about storytelling for me, and I just try to find as many different types of mediums to do that, which is why my experience has probably been broad and it sounds like I've done a lot more <laughs> for my age but yeah it all comes back to the storytelling for me so that's what I do in a nutshell. Why and how did you get into media in the first place? Um, I kind of just fell into it to be honest. So at school I would always just do a lot I did a lot of heavy written subjects and I did some sciences so there was not really much media in that the only media there was was my blog where I just used to write and people just used to connect really well with that and I'm very outspoken on my Twitter, for example. So I just used to speak my thoughts and people agreed or people engaged with it. And that was like as much exposure to media as I got to. And then after I finished my A-levels, um, I was just looking through all my grades, all my subjects, and I didn't know if I wanted to go into the sciences or if I wanted to go into the arts or like history, sociology and whatnot, or go into like biology or something. I didn't know which one to choose. So I just thought... Let me just take a year out for myself and just figure out what exactly I wanted to do. And by that point, my blog had picked up a lot of traction. So I thought, let me do something with this. And this was around the time when we had just started the platform and it was picking up a lot. And I wanted to do something with that because for me, it was like, even if I wanted to get into these fields, there wasn't a lot of people like me. There's not a lot of black Muslim women in these industries. I couldn't see anyone that looked like me there. So I thought... How am I going to get into these spaces if there's no one there like me? And eventually it just got to the point where I was like, if I can't get into these spaces, I'm just going to create it myself. And that's kind of where Muslim creatives began, really. 
So then I started doing that and it picked up a lot of engagement. So I thought, okay, I can do something with this. And I think it's just one of those things where you speak into existence. You just attract a certain crowd when you're putting yourself out there in a certain way. Um, and then two months after I finished my A-levels and I and I made the decision to take a break and not go straight to uni, I secured a one-year contract at a communications agency. And that was like my first proper nine-to-five job I've ever had. And that exposed me to a whole load of work and projects. And I thought, okay, this is where I see myself. And initially, I just started off managing social media accounts. And then my line manager was really impressed. And then she started putting me on different projects and different campaigns. And there were times where even clients really liked the work that I was giving them. So they would personally request me on their team. So then I was exposed to so many different types of work within a media field. So then... Yeah, I think that's when I realized, okay, I want to go in this direction. But even then, you know, I was 18, 19. Mm-hmm. So I was still a bit like, okay, there's more I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to branch out a bit more because I have this thing. I think it's always been like a survival thing for me. I don't know if it's something my parents passed down to me, but I've always had this mentality where I'd rather be a 7 out of 10 across the board than a 10 out of 10 in one thing and a 2 out of 10 in another. Mm-hmm. So if I see that I'm excelling in one thing, but then I see that, I have a weakness or I have something that I really need to work on. I will focus on that until everything's balanced out. So I saw that the social media side of things were really good and the writing side were really good, but I wanted to pick up more technical skills. So I remember myself in that job where I'll just literally go up to different departments and I'll just sit at their table and be like, oh, what you're doing looks really cool. Can I see? And I'll just watch them and I'll just see what they're doing. Like sometimes the design team's working on some new branding and I'll sit there and I'll be like, I don't know how to use Photoshop, I don't know how to use Illustrator, but I just want to see what you're doing. And mm. people, you'd underestimate how much older people love talking about themselves because if I, all I had to do was say, oh my God, this looks so cool, what is it? And they'll explain the whole process to me and that kind of fed into my bank of knowledge. And yeah, that's pretty much how I started securing new um, roles, new contracts. I would just talk to people. A lot of the times what I've learned recently is that people actually remember your character and they remember your personality. So I kind of leveraged that one year. I saw it as like a ticking clock, you know, after this one year, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm At that point, I was just practically winging it. So I thought, let me just make as many, not even friends, but just as many connections as I can. And yeah, I maintained the relationship. It got to the point where when I had those relationships with certain colleagues and whatnot, people from outside of work were recognising my stuff and clients were because clients talk, so they were recommending me and they were just name dropping me elsewhere that I wasn't even aware of. So by the time my contract ended and I was offered a, an, another contract at the same place, I rejected it because I was given a place in another production company and whatnot. And that was the first time I was exposed to film. And I didn't know what it was going to be like, film and TV, but it looked exciting. And when I researched the names, I was like, okay, these people are quite big in the industry. Let me see how it goes. And I was picked out of, 100 people and they picked one and I happened to get picked so I thought you know (laughs) alhamdulillah like maybe there's something in this and I and I took it on and the difference here was that I was exposed to how different companies operate so while I enjoyed working at the communications agency a lot of the times yes I was exposed to great work but I was also really exposed to what it was like to be a visibly black Muslim woman my faith was the first thing that everyone recognized you know and this was a big agency 500 plus people 
plus international teams. You know, I was remembered very well because I think at the t- by the time it got to like three months in that contract, I was the only hijabi there, full stop. Like there were Muslims there, but you wouldn't be able to tell. And I was always remembered because I was the one using the stationary room as the prayer room. <laughs> um, so I'd always have to like calculate what time people are not going to go in and all of that. And people remembered me from that. And I was always the one that was declining drinks after work because I don't clearly don't drink. Um so yeah, I kind of built myself a reputation, but I also built a reputation because the, a lot of the client work target audience were people like me, young, British, black, Muslim, woman. So yeah, through that, I get learned a lot of things. I had to pick up things the hard way. I had to become really aware really quickly. And when I decided to take on this new contract, it was completely different. And I think this particular experience made me realize that when someone knows your worth and they really value your worth you will go places when i did this internship even till now i've got a really good relationship with the boss and everyone else at that point i was still unsure but working at that company for three months was kind of like the light bulb moment i had and i realized what it is that i like doing and it is storytelling i was exposed to so many different types of work so many different scripts while I was there in three months, I saw a whole film being produced that's already it's already out um, where people can watch. And, you know, a TV series that's coming out this year as well. And that was just three months. And even when it finished, like, I was happy because within that three months, there were other people that were reaching out to me and offering me more contracts. And it was just being exposed to a whole other world. And I... I kind of just winged it through things. And again, it's just about people remembering your personality and how you interact with them. Because I feel like if I wasn't that kind of interactive person, people would remember me. And I felt like I'm already in this place now and I already stand out. So whenever I walk into a meeting room, everyone's heads will turn around and they'll see me with notes and or they'll see their brief and stuff. And then they find out that I wrote the notes for them. And it's like, oh, OK, you're not just the person serving tea and coffee anymore. You know, you're actually doing something. Um, so, yeah, I just took advantage whenever I was in a space and I knew I stood out and I knew that heads would turn as soon as I walked in. I took full advantage of it because I could sit there and be like, oh, they all see me differently. Or I can be like, okay, I'm different, but I know they need my insight. They need my research. They need my input. So I'm going to take advantage of it and try to keep my foot in the door that I've just managed to sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like my my work experience has been a bit crazy. I've just found that I wing it and then I just fig- figure it out along the way. I just take that jump and then whatever happens, happens. And I just make my calculated decisions along the way so yeah in a nutshell that's how my journey's been first of all mashallah like your journey is seems for me not really confusing because i've seen the media world Mm. Uh, but for, for me it sounds really like your work and your reputation from the work has brought you further oh yeah for sure but how is it for you like how do you see yourself as a muslim woman that is in the spaces of media and producing media yourself. How do you take advantage of that? I've noticed that, yes, there's a lot of, you know, misrepresentation and not enough representation in this industry. But there's also this sense of curiosity and it kind of just depends on who you come across. What I found recently is that a lot of people are just curious, like, what is your life like? 
like you're black you're a woman you're muslim what is it like because a lot of the times they either come with prejudgments or they just come in with an open mind so yes i've encountered a lot of like microaggressions stereotyping and whatnot but i've also encountered a lot of people that are just curious you know they're writing a script and they want to include a muslim character and they want to know what is it like being a muslim so i think being in the space it made me realize and understand how powerful media really is and i feel like muslims as a whole don't actually utilize this tool as much as we could because i i didn't have this vision just to jump into media i didn't even know i could jump into media like this but once i managed to get through that door and i just saw a completely different world and i haven't even seen half of it probably you know when he just started um yeah it's made me realize that we've got such a powerful tool and we're so busy complaining about it that we're not actually pushing our stories out there as much yes there's some systemic barriers but yeah it made me realize that there's so much we could do with this but we're so busy fighting over little petty things that we're just letting people tell our stories and yes there are situations where i've been in like writing rooms and whatnot and i'm seeing them talk about who they should bring on and whatnot and i remember like I was working with some producer and I was reading some of the scripts and I was like what is this literally like I was just so confused I didn't want to say much because I'm not a screenwriter as such I'd like to be one day but I'm not a screenwriter or anything but when you can read a script as someone who's just an outsider and you can see it's just like this is not happening this is not working um it's quite interesting to see like how little people in this industry know about muslims but it's we're also in such a great time to really capitalize and utilize what tools are available to us because we live in a completely different age now there's been times where people have tried to use my age or assume that my age means i'm naive and it's like you found me online because a lot of the times people find me online people hear about me through recommendations within colleagues because that's the thing within the media industry word travels fast and if they remember you you're in a very good position because everyone's busy so the fact that they remember you and they're recommending you it's a whole nother ball game so it's like when you are in these spaces and when you know that you're being rehired over and over again because i i got to a point where i was i felt like i was lost and i was doubting myself and i felt like oh i'm still here because i had i have certain standards which to some people might be a bit too much because they just see me as oh they're this 20 year old that's doing so much but then when you know you can do more it's kind of like yeah i appreciate your compliment but i know i can push even more when i'm finally here sometimes i have to remind myself there's a reason you're being rehired again there's a reason this producer keeps hiring you and it made me realize that if i don't understand my worth real quick then i'm going to be open to being exploited or you know used and what not so i had but to But how did you come to this point that you realize your self-worth I think after the three month contract I ended up working with a BAFTA nominated producer four times wow. so she rehired me four different projects over and over again and I was just like this woman right now she's being talked about a lot amongst the producers why does she keep hiring? at that time I think I was still 19 maybe I had maybe just turned 20 so she was hiring me when I was 19 and she was paying me as well it's not like oh it's work experience or whatnot she was genuinely paying me like an employee and I just kept thinking because I was at the point where I was like oh am I doing enough I haven't hit my break yet I haven't you know I'm not at the top and I find myself this is one thing that I'm still working on I find myself comparing me to other people around me so there's so many talented Muslim women mm. so many talented people that I look up to and I'm always comparing myself to them and then I realize hold on they're like 25 26 they've got mm. years ahead of me anyway 
anyway, regardless of how much I'm doing or not doing. And sometimes I'd forget that. And I think earlier this year, it got to a point where I was like, am I even going in the right direction? Am I doing enough? I don't want to keep going like this. I know I can do more. And then at the same time, I think I must have spoken to someone about it, like an old colleague and whatnot. And he was just looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) He literally laid out the whole my whole timeline in terms of what I do and what I've done and he's like you might not feel it yet because you live in a generation where everyone's being pressured to do more and take on more we're being treated as adults but we can't even afford to be adults as such anyway he's like maybe you don't see it that way because you're under a lot of pressure and your whole generation's under a lot of pressure and then he just laid it out when I was this age I wasn't in any of these positions at all when I was your age, I was not there at all. The fact that you're there and you're going means that you are ahead of a lot of people. And I kind of thought about that and I thought, you know what? These people don't even have to hire me. They don't even have to take me on on their projects. So the fact that they are, and it's such a big industry and everyone's busy all the time, but they're taking the time out to reach out to me and be like, here's a paid opportunity. I want you to do X, Y, Z. For me, that was like, okay, clearly they value my input and there is some sort of worth in my storytelling once I started to and I'm still processing it but I've started to understand that at the end of the day they need our voices as Muslims they need they need Muslim voices they need black voices they need it and it's just about carrying on and pushing through because there are people that will value you I know in the media right now, in the media industry, there's a lot of like backlash, there's a lot of ignorance, but there are a few really good people that are so open-minded, that are willing to learn in a generation that's changing because the media industry right now is changing so fast, especially in film and TV. There's so much that's changing and we're literally in a perfect time to really take on board and utilize what we've got because we're not like the other generations. We kind of grew up with all the development and changes of technology and the digital space. So once I started to understand that a bit more earlier this year, it's like the struggle is a bit worth it because I'm going to keep pushing through, but I'm just reminding myself that I am ahead of a lot of people my age. And even if I'm not, it's okay because I've done quite a bit for myself that I can say is an achievement and I can put it on paper say it's an achievement. So yeah, I think... Just pushing through and carrying on with my journey is kind of like what I'm focused on. And I'm trying to also appreciate the journey a bit more. It sounds really cliche, like trust the process, love the journey and whatnot, because it's not always fun and games. It's not always happy. It's not always inspiring. I'm not always motivated. A lot of the times my motivation comes from frustration. Mm. I mean, that's even how Muslim creatives also came about, you know, like we're, first, we're in a group chat and there's so many talented black people in there. But like only three, two or three of us are Muslim. And it's like, where's all the black Muslims at? And then it was like, where are all the Muslims at? So it kind of started off with that. And a so lot- tell us more about the Muslim creatives itself. What was the motivation behind it? What was the objective? So with my vision of Muslim creatives, is, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see us breaking barriers or breaking stereotypes because I didn't create those stereotypes and I didn't create those boundaries for myself. As far as I'm concerned, I, I know I can do something if I put my mind to it. It just so happens that I live in a society where my identity means that there's certain barriers placed against me. That's not even in my control. What is in my control is understanding that I've got a talent, I've got a voice and I've got a story to tell. When I see all these cliche narratives about Muslim women breaking stereotypes, breaking the norm, it's I didn't create that norm. The system that I live in created that. Mm. So the idea of Muslim creatives is that we're doing what we always have done. 
creating, shaping stories, telling stories, creating our space. That's the vision I have with Muslim creatives. To create a safe space where Muslims can just do what they want and create what they want. Like this is their space to create and tell the stories that they want to tell and tell the stories that has always been there. But because we're always being shaped and boxed and categorized in certain ways, people don't get to see the nuance and the different types of Muslims there are out there. We're not a monolith. As we know, there's so many different types of us. And so the whole idea with Muslim creators is just to show people that you can balance your faith and have creative ambitions or have ambitions where you want to tell a story it's not something new it's never been something new for muslims anyway and so for me it's like the only thing that might be classed as doing something new is completely scrapping the whole breaking stereotypes thing because i always found that really uncomfortable to hear because as far as i'm concerned i know i'm not breaking any to you guys i might be to non-muslims i might be but to me it's like i already know i have this potential anyway and my faith has never been a barrier to stop me from telling my story so yeah i kind of want to reflect that into Muslim creatives and just be like we're doing something what we already know can be done and it's just a matter of pushing through really so that's kind of like a fundamental level kind of where Muslim creatives branched out from. So what are you doing right now what are the spaces that you're letting Muslim voices rise and giving them the power to speak? So at the moment we have a blog but we're currently rebranding and creating like an official website so we can have different categories so some people want to promote they might have a business they want to promote some people want to just write like they might have a topic they want to pitch to us some people want to feature their work some people might just want to you know be anonymous and tell their story so that's kind of like the end goal for this year inshallah other than that we usually just spark conversations online so there might be something controversial we ask people their opinions and just constantly connecting with other muslims that are doing things i think sometimes we're, we're in a space where some muslims might feel that if they don't have a certain um, following or they don't have a certain status they can't be part of the creative muslim scene and it's like i'm trying to i'm trying to push that aside with muslim creatives i don't want people that are new to this or that haven't started that don't have anything to show for it yet to feel like they can't be part of this so it's all about just keeping an open mind and just sparking up conversations that make some muslims think oh wow I thought I was the only one like because what I find is that when I go to events or when I do have people reach out to me online they sound like you know they don't know where to go and I've been there before I know what it's like to not know and not everyone's brave enough or have the courage to just wing it some people can't afford to do that and I know how how much of a risk it can be I've got my own personal experience of it so it's like I can sympathize with people that don't know where to start that aren't involved with certain groups or they don't have that following or status and whatnot so I want ultimately I want it to be a platform where anyone regardless of what stage you're in to be able to just tell your story really so that's kind of what I'm trying to do at the moment but because of rebranding it's taking a bit more time but for me personally I'd rather take a bit more time and do it properly from the ground mm -hmm. up so because I know in long term it'll be better for us so inshallah yeah that's that's where I'm at right now <laughs> inshallah so for those people that like you're saying you can sympathize with that might not have the following or might not have the network yet they have their own share mm. of things to say or maybe those who don't even think that their voice matters like what are action steps that you can tell them to follow that you might have had in your journey I think one of the things that I do tell to a lot of people that in that situation is you're not going to be inspired all the time you're not going to be motivated all the time I think more often than not you're going to be confused and you're going to feel stuck the key is to just start I think that's the most important thing I feel like we're so used to living in an, a in an age where everything has to go viral straight away for mm -hmm. you to get some sort of validation mm -hmm. that a lot of the times you know building something or telling your story or sharing your work isn't as easy as oh 
here it is engage with it it's, it's a process it's a lot the intention behind it right like oh, a lot yeah. a lot i see even myself uh, when i'm thinking oh this is nice first of all i create it and then i'm thinking this is nice i, I put it out and if it doesn't get the traction i'm just like mm, maybe that it was the wrong intention yeah. you why do you put things out yes exactly so a lot of the times like you need to know exactly why you're doing something because if you don't know and then you get backlash or you don't get the result mm-hmm. that you wanted how are you going to bounce back from that how are you going to think yeah. okay how am i going to do better how are you going to evaluate yourself basically so a lot of the times people assume that just because i have a big following or i'm very outspoken that what's happening behind the scenes is easy a lot of the times i'm not motivated a lot of the times i'm frustrated i'm tired it's you have to do all the boring work and you have to push through and sometimes for me motivation doesn't start until you've actually done something mm. for me it's the discipline that gets you through it if you don't have any discipline and you don't you don't know how to push through when things get tough then that motivation will come straight away and i think also the environment you're in i think this is something i'm realizing recently mm. just not letting anyone and anything in your space and just being able to stay focused enough to know that if i'm in a certain space how do i feel so far this year i've been very picky about what spaces i put myself in simply because i know how draining it can be to build something from scratch and to start something especially when you have a vision for it but you don't necessarily have all the access or the networks or the funds for it it's very stressful and it's very tiring and draining because you know what you can build but there's certain limitations so you now want to make sure that things that are in your control you can you know be in control of it mm. you know so protecting your peace and your space is one of them like regardless of where you're at that's something that needs to be a priority and i think i've finally learned that another thing that i tell people all the time document your process that's something i've been Mm. doing recently and it was until i documented my process that i physically saw my progress um a lot of the times we just talk about it but then when you when you see it written down or recorded you just think oh wow that was me a few months ago or a year ago in my case it is actually a few months ago Mm because i'm sure if i saw myself this time last year i'd be like what the hell like so much has changed and how do you document so (laughs) i do like video diaries Nice. So I took like when I'm stressed out, especially I just talk to myself, and then yeah, it sounds really weird. <laughs> Do you have a YouTube channel where you put that up? I don't want to put it out. I don't I know. know why. I just feel like I think later on when I actually decide to take my YouTube channel seriously, I might document some things because I feel like judging by some of the emails I get or DMs I get where people just want to start, they know they don't know where to start or they've connected with my work and how I talk online and stuff. There are some things I definitely want to document. And I think one thing I really want to document is what it's like being a founder and essentially an entrepreneur because a lot of people want to be want to be that but they don't understand that it's not as easy as oh yeah we're doing this now we're doing that now there's a lot that goes behind the scene that people don't see a lot of people online don't understand that we don't post all our failures we just post our success and that's what exactly. you'll see so I they are I have been considering it for a while so inshallah once I start taking youtube side seriously i definitely do want to document things because mm-hmm. i think people respect it when they can see how much has gone into a particular project or a particular thing because there is a theme that i'm seeing that a lot of people just want the end result mm-hmm. but then don't understand how draining it can be in the process and that not everyone's journey is the same mm-hmm. so yeah inshallah i'm gonna keep my video diaries to myself <laughs> my little venting sessions but I'm definitely going to do something with it, inshallah. So how would you tell people to start something? Because like you say, it's it's a lot of ups and downs. And Mm. I have the feeling I learn most from the downs. 
than from the ups, yeah. to be honest, because you you go over the ups so fast. Like if you yeah. have if you have an ex- success, you're thinking you you sometimes. And I was talking to a friend the other day. It's really good to write things down, mm-hmm. or like you do it to record it, yeah. because you speak out what you want, mm-hmm. and then maybe after some months, like you read it and you're like. I actually achieved that, but I didn't celebrate yeah. because you just go over it and then you focus on the next and you focus on the next. And as being a founder, I think that's a big part of your process oh, that you yeah, just focus sure. on the next step. But how do you get started? So when you said the whole speaking things into existence, I can give you actually a really good example. So two years ago, I was like, I really want to get into the tech industry. I really, mm-hmm. I really want to learn the technical side of things. You know, I understand the creative side of things, but I really want to understand like how to build this and how to build that and all the techie stuff. And I would find any way I could, but all the courses were really expensive, mm-hmm. too time consuming, and couldn't afford it. And a few days ago, I was, I've been accepted on a course, you know, where BT is training, training 30 women to get into coding and software development. A lot of the time it is documenting things and when it comes to starting something of your own you've got to understand what is it you're actually doing because a lot of times like oh yeah I want to do xyz but then have you broken it down how are you going to do it what's the purpose what are you going to get out of it what's the next step Mm-hmm. I think mapping that out and understanding why you're doing something helps you do what you want to do. So yeah, if you want to start, understand what kind of story are you telling and what are you putting out into the world and is it something that you'd want out there for good or for a while? Mm-hmm. And take it from there sometimes we focus so much in the planning stage that by the time you actually start doing you're already like bored of it a little mm-hmm. bit or someone else has already done it and you're just there like oh okay exactly you're just too good from there yeah and it's not even about rushing yourself I think it's about pacing yourself mm-hmm. because something I'm learning like at some point I kept rushing things and then if I if you rush it too much You make too many mistakes in the beginning and then that puts you off. But then if you leave it for too long, you get to the point where you're even bored of your own concept and you don't really want to go with it anymore. And you're not as motivated to do it. So I think it's just about finding that balance where you're pacing yourself and thinking in the long term. If you don't see, if you're seeing some gradual progress or you're seeing something steady, don't feel like that's a failure. Mm. because the fact that it's progressing even if it's steadily or slowly means that something's happening it's at consistency least. yeah something's happening at least and don't ever put yourself in a position where you're just pushing out content while you're not emotionally or mentally there because it does backfire on you eventually mm. that's my that's probably one of my best advice and there are times where you need to learn to evaluate when you're generally burnt out or when you're just doubting yourself or you're just giving yourself excuses because that's what I feel like I was doing for a while earlier this year I was giving myself too many excuses and telling myself that I'm just taking a break I'm just taking a break but then even when I'm taking a break I'm just overthinking everything Mm. and I'm stressing myself out so then that break isn't even good for me to begin with so a lot of the times you'll find that you need to have some sort of discipline to push yourself through sometimes the best form of motivation is to just face your books face your work and just do it because it's not meant to always be glamorous or fun and whatnot it's about you valuing the journey that you're going through and pushing yourself through to see it to the end Mm -hmm. that's probably the kind of advice I wish someone told me because a lot of the times you see all of these motivational speakers or all these online entrepreneurs that make it seem like everything has to be a big deal at every point in your life and it's not it gets it's really boring before it gets exciting Mm -hmm. but when you get those little bursts of achievement really take the time out and celebrate it like I'm really I'm starting to learn just to celebrate the little moments. So it's like usually something good would happen. I'd be like, yay, for like two seconds. And then I'd be like, okay, but I need to, I want to get there. Um, this 
person is already there I'm not there yet and I won't even have time to appreciate what I've just achieved when you have those little achievements stop and be in that moment to actually celebrate it and then when you're done with that it's back to work another thing I would definitely recommend is don't follow all of this advice where they just tell you to just take the risk and not evaluate anything else I feel like some of the advice that's out there comes from a point of privilege and comes from a point where Mm. they don't understand the context in which a lot of young people live in personally take a lot of these motivational videos and whatnot with a pinch of salt I take what I can from it and what I can apply but a lot of the times it doesn't take into consideration I don't know family and friend relationships or your social your economic state or the kind of lifestyle you're living doesn't take into account balancing work and school and whatnot be mindful of what advice you're taking and take what you can from it that you think will apply best to you and really and truly you know what's best for you you can take advice from people you can be around the right people but at the end of the day if you don't apply anything that you're learning from them you're not really going to go anywhere but yeah I think especially at the beginning stages you really need to ground yourself especially if you're doing a lot of online stuff because you really have to have thick skin to constantly push out content online where any sort of feedback could either boost you or completely crush you. How um, do you fix that? Like, how do you stay focused if there's backlash coming or if you see things not um, taking the direction you wanted to take it? I usually evaluate what it is that's causing the backlash. So if it's genuine criticism, then I'll take it on board. But if it's just people reacting for no reason or it's just become a trend and whatnot, I just protect my peace and I just keep it moving because at the end of the day, some of it, some of that backlash are those people projecting onto you. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, you've got to understand why are they saying certain things and what is it about you that's making them feel that way? What Something I've done recently is just, I turn off my notifications and I schedule when I read people's Mm -hmm. messages and whatnot because I just want to give myself some sort of structure now in case things get even better for me and things become a bit overwhelming Mm. because I did get to a point earlier this year where things were so overwhelming that it affected my health like Mm. physically affected my health a lot of the times I just I I just structure things a bit more whenever I've been given an opportunity or whatnot I've had a meeting or something and they've mentioned a date that we're doing xyz I will record that on the day I would note that down on the day so everything's happening within a process within that time just in the moment I'm keeping track of what's happening now rather than panicking what's going to happen in two weeks or a month or a year I think that's very important because we're constantly hyped up to ensure that we're always busy mm-hmm. and this whole idea of being busy or doing something doesn't necessarily mean you're being productive mm-hmm. when I tell people that I do actually get my seven eight hour sleep they're just looking at me like how Mm. that's because that's because that's because i know myself like i know growing up i've i've always been someone who sleeps on time anyway or i need a certain amount of sleep otherwise i'm not going to function but then at some point i was hanging around people that were running on four or five hours sleep and they were they just looked busy all the time so i thought okay they're doing really well for themselves because they're always busy so I tried to make myself busy all the time but then what I found was that I was not being as productive as I know I could have been because I'm running on four hours sleep when I know that my body is accustomed to seven or eight hours sleep that means I'm starting my day really tired really sluggish I've just about prayed fajr and my day is already not starting well Mm. (laughs) that's going to affect me for the rest of the day and that cycle just becomes really toxic for me so then I thought I'm going to do what works best for me and then I figured out exactly what tasks I need to do I stopped doing the whole multitasking thing. I stopped making myself look busy all the time just because other people were doing the same. And I focused on what I wanted to achieve and the tasks that I needed to do. How do you do that practically? So practically speaking, whenever I've got like a meeting or something, I write it. As soon as they've said, okay, we're having a meeting at this time, 
at this place xyz i've documented straight away i've already written it into existence if that makes sense whenever i see what kind of tasks i've got i i'm just very honest with myself i'm like okay I know that I'm a morning person and I start my day really early and I finish early. If I get all my important tasks in the morning when I'm most productive and I break down each of those tasks, which is another important thing, then I know that my main tasks for the day are done and everything else I can give myself a little bit of leeway to delay it for a bit and whatnot. Another thing is that, I, that I've tried to do is every month I make sure I have at least two days where I take myself out or I treat myself and that doesn't necessarily have to be like anything money wise like you know what makes you happy and what puts you in a zone where you don't have to think about anything I think that's been the most challenging thing for me because I have do have a lot of responsibility outside of work but one thing I've definitely learned is that I work with what I've got and I work with what's best for me because if I'm at my best then I know I can produce my best work if I'm not at my best and I'm putting all this pressure on myself, it's only going to backfire on me in the long run. In terms of balancing how many things you've got to do, I break my tasks down really specific because when you do like a to-do list the night before and you feel really happy and stuff because you're about to sleep, you write all these different tasks, but you haven't made it specific enough. And then when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, it's probably not that important. But then it turns out to be really important and you're like, oh, crap. Also, when you break down things, it gives you like a, it's like a to-do list within a to-do list. So it gives you like, mm -hmm. say, for example, I have to write an article for XYZ publication. I will then break that down and be like, okay, paragraph one, I need to make sure I touch on this. Paragraph two, I need mm -hmm. to make sure I touch on this. I need to make sure I have two pieces of research on XYZ. And then when I read that the next day, it's like, that's what I'm ticking off. The task is still there, but within the task, that's what I'm ticking off. And then by the time I've gone through that, I realise, okay, I've done most of it. Just need to round things off and then I'm done. That is very specific. Yeah, you have to be so specific because we underestimate how much we how much pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah. Um, especially when you're trying to look busy all the time, especially as a young person. For like when you do it bit by bit and then you see what you've done and you've tick off those little specific things, you realise, oh actually I've actually done a lot. Yeah. You know, it's more than I expected. It's like many successes yeah, within the day. Exactly. And that kind of just trains your mind to like just trust your journey a bit more, which is really hard to do in today's age. It's so hard to do because you're seeing all these people going viral, doing big mm. things, and you're just comparing yourself. And then when you actually force yourself to sit down and think, hold on, these people have years on me. They're almost like a decade older than me. It's okay. Calm down. And even if they weren't, it's okay because who, why are you placing your standards on certain people anyway? Exactly. Like, whose time? line are you going against do you know what i mean like we all have our time anyway so you might as well just do your thing and do what you've got to do with the right intention and just keep it stepping what do you think is the biggest limitation that people have probably money literally <laughs> probably funds money access networks the, i think those are the big three biggest things i think even though i come from a working class background the fact that i live in london itself i have a huge advantage over so many other people i could even go further and say what part of london i live in plays a big role because the part I live in, there's so many projects going on, there's so many creative spaces, little galleries, little museums, that in itself and those opportunities that they keep offering. That in itself already gives me an advantage to so many other people that might be living in different locations. I do feel like another advantage that I might have might be my personality. Some people don't, some people are really creative and they're really talented, but they just don't have the personality that might attract people to want to know more about what they do that's not necessarily the person's fault but it's not necessarily something that we're told about what I found is that a lot of things I've had to learn by myself 
by asking questions. But some, there are people that don't like to ask questions, mm. that don't like to, you know, put themselves out there. They might be very introverted. I've been at events where I'll see, I'll look around and I'll see who the quiet ones are. Mm. And I know exactly what's going through their mind because they want to interact, but they don't know anyone there. And it's like, I feel for them. So it's like a lot of the times it just depends on what you're utilizing, how you're using your environment around you. I think that's what sets people apart. What I think some of the barriers, aside from the three big things like money, access, network, it does come within the person, how the person responds to the environment, responds to things around them. So how can you overcome all these limitations? You're saying you have it in your personality. Mm. Um, I think it's more your attitude than your personality, yeah. to be honest, because you're doing a lot of things that you don't like either. Yeah. I can't imagine as a founder. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of things you don't have to overcome, but this is one part that is a maybe just a bit more outspoken yeah. because you know that that's how mm. you overcome it but for people that don't have the money don't have the access and don't have the network how can they overcome these limitations i think raising awareness and connecting with people that do have the privilege so for example like i know that i've managed to get through in certain spaces so i know i do have a responsibility as a muslim woman to make sure that if there is another muslim woman that wants to get into these same industries that i use what i know to help them because I can't fix the system. I can't I don't have the the funds or anything to, you know, just completely scratch everything and start again. But what I do know that I have is access, some sort whatever access it is, I've got I've got it to an extent. I've got networks and I've have an insight that they might not have. So I do feel like it is my responsibility to an extent to make sure I am, you know, helping out wherever I can. In terms of when you don't have all of it, honestly, I can't I don't even have a straight answer for it because most of the time I've just winged it and somehow at some point it does become luck. It is a bit of luck. I think with the attitude thing, your personality gets you noticed, but your attitude keeps you in the long game. Mm. So What I found is that because I stood out, because I looked different already and because I have quite a social personality, what they would notice me and then they'll test me with an opportunity. And then depending on how I take that on board and my attitude, that's what keeps me going. It's very difficult when you're not putting yourself out there as much. And I think sometimes we underestimate and we think we're putting ourselves out too much, yeah. especially as women. We feel like, oh, if we do too much, we'll be stereotyped or we do X, Y, Z. But a lot of the times we're not actually putting ourselves out enough. In When you're online, you're kind of like in this bubble where you think everyone can see your work. But then in the real world, no one knows who you are. Mm. So it's about understanding that what you're doing online might be a lot, but what are you doing outside that the right people need to see yeah for me like my insight would probably be limited because i live in london i've been given certain opportunities but that might not apply to everyone else but general advice like put yourself out there even if it looks really like repetitive or it looks like you're doing too much trust me you're not you're not doing as much as you think you are because there's the world out there is big and it's great if you're being noticed online but are the right people outside noticing you because that's what counts more than the online stuff. Yeah, my advice is like, really understand why you're doing something. Put yourself out there and it doesn't have to be perfect straight away. Like when I started with some creatives, it was all over the place. It's still all over the place. I know in a year's time, I'm going to look back and think, wow, that was not the best. <laughs> um, and it's okay to start something that's not perfect straight away because... Regardless of how much you've planned for it, you're going to do it, but you're going to improve as you go along. And I started out when I was 18, mm. really and truly, like my career, whatever you want to call it, start, started at 17, 18. And it wasn't perfect, 
because I didn't even know how to get into the industry. I kind of just fell into it. So of course, it wasn't perfect and it's still not. There's still so much I need to learn. I've made so many mistakes along the way. But you, if you don't start, then you won't know. Just make a start, basically, and know why you're doing it. And as Muslims as well, we need to make sure our intentions behind it is very important. There seems There's a lot of misconception, even amongst Muslims, that the religion is just a book full of rules. You break one rule, that's it, you're going to hell. But then... When you look at Islam as a whole, you look at the fundamentals, you look at the five pillars, it's literally shaping your whole life. It is literally a lifestyle. Like me praying five times a day or eating certain things or not eating certain things or interacting with people a certain way. That is part of my lifestyle that's heavily influenced by Islam. You need to also take that into consideration because as much as you, you might get backlash for it by the media and whatnot, there's also another huge section that's so curious to know how and why. There is a lot out there that just as good as there are, there are as there are bad things so I feel like really making sure you're grounded in your deen and you're grounded in who you are from the beginning is going to help you out in the long run because I feel like if I wasn't as grounded as I am and I've still got a long way to go I'm not perfect if I wasn't as grounded as I am right now I know I would have been in a position where I might have been exploited a bit mm. or I might have not realized my value or I might have not pushed myself as much as I am right now and even now I know that I need to do way more as a Muslim especially like make sure you understand what Islam means to you and how it affects your life because I feel like we're so hard on ourselves you know the religion has been made e easy for us compared to back then it is literally a way of life and a lot of the times we overcomplicate things for ourselves to the point where we're ignoring the basics you know we're so busy arguing on marriage or this 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 and that that you're not even working to perfect your salah or you're not working to perfect your attitude and your mm. manners and your characteristics. And of course, you're going to have flaws. You're going to make mistakes along the way. But as a Muslim, especially in these times where holding on to your faith is like holding on to hot coal, you need to understand that it's okay to enjoy things in this world. Just don't let it get to the point where you lose yourself mm. because at the end of the day, it is literally just the dunya. But I've noticed when people are trying to be religious or they're trying to do something with you know, with the right intentions and make sure that, you know, Islam is integral into in their journey. They end up being so hard on themselves that they push themselves away from the deen and then they push others away from the deen because they're now projecting that onto other people. What I found, especially when it comes to navigating these industries, especially media, because there's a lot of fitna out there and media isn't the most halal thing out there like the tool in itself can be utilized in so many ways mm. but there are aspects of it where you're like okay dean wise i'm not going to engage with this but what i found is that using my personality and who i am to connect with allah to connect with how i navigate my life as a muslim mm. has helped me a lot because i've realized you don't want to be too strict on yourself but you don't want to be too soft on yourself mm. you just want to take that middle path and that does affect your lifestyle a bit because it's like people can when you're visibly muslim you're wearing hijab People already hold you to a certain standard anyway. But then when they get to know you and get to see the different layers of personality within you, that's when you've got that leverage to just use your use who you are and balance it with your deen. And then you can see like what kind of connection you have with your faith and how that affects your interaction with the wider world. I feel like on a, on a whole, not just the media, a lot of Muslims don't take advantage of that. We've got so Allah's given us so much to, you know, use and be grateful for but because we're so busy arguing on the most stupidest things we lack empathy yeah. and I feel like empathy is something that you can't be taught mm. full stop if you can't be an empathetic person and you don't know how to interact with someone on a human level regardless of where you're from regardless of your status it will be hard for you eventually to navigate this world from an Islamic point of view from a general point of view for me 
not having empathy for people muslim or not for me shows a big shows a huge part of who you are when i see certain things online within the muslim community and how it's approached and how people go about it and how people even view things like the media industry it just makes me realize like why the ummah today is in so much nonsense and why it's in complete shambles because we've in trying to become a better muslim in trying to follow the way of the way that Allah and the Prophet Muhammad has given us, where we've we've forgotten to be human, yeah. not realizing that the Prophet and the Sahabas and everything they're all human. They all approach things from a human perspective as well. We lack empathy for each other, and at the same time, we're trying to be on Deen, which is a huge contradiction within itself. Because mm-hmm. in the end, when you are in the afterlife, when you are being judged, it's through Allah's mercy mm-hmm. that you either go to Jannah or Jahannam. You can do the absolute most. You can do as much as you want, as good as as good as it can get. But if you don't, if you don't have if you don't get the mercy of Allah, then you're not really going to go anywhere. And that doesn't just apply to the afterlife. It's also this life as well. If you don't have mercy towards others, you'll find that people will have mercy towards you. Whatever you project out there, it's going to come back to you. And I think from an Islamic point of view, people underestimate that. Yeah. So a lot of the times we're being so harsh on ourselves that we're hindering ourselves in terms of how we connect with Allah but we're also hindering ourselves on how we interact with people in the wider yeah. world, which does hold people back, I've noticed especially within this industry it holds a lot of people back because they're thinking oh my god is this haram is this this Mm. taking advice online not getting the right knowledge Mm. behind it and then they're stuck but then everyone else around them is just moving forward so i feel like that's a huge chunk that people are missing how do you put it into your everyday life that you see islam and the deen as an opportunity and not as a limitation for me it's like at the end of the day i don't have to prove myself to people that are not contributing to my growth anyway as a muslim as a person in general how i deal with it is that as long as i'm doing the fundamental bit so being a good person praying etc etc that gives me a good base to build on if i know i'm not hurting anyone that's already a good sign in terms of my man because if i'm hurting innocent people if i'm being horrible to people for no reason regardless of how much i'm praying on whatnot i don't even even know if that's going to be accepted so for me it's having that understanding and that empathy towards others that helps me keep myself in check and there are times where you're not going to be totally at your best there are going to be times where you're going to feel stuck you're gonna your iman's gonna dip it ha- it's happened a lot to me but when you're honest with yourself and you're honest with what you're doing even if it's not perfect, even if you know you can improve deen-wise or otherwise, then you're already on the right track. And especially, there are times when you're going to feel like your iman is so low, you're not as religious as you know you can be, etc., whatever you want to call it. The fact that you even recognise that is a good sign. Mm. Because if you were numb to it and you didn't care and your attitude reflected that, you saw how your interaction with people changed, then that's a bad sign. But the fact that you can sit here and be like, oh my goodness, I'm really slacking on my prayers. I'm really slacking on this. I need to work on this. I need to work on that. The fact that even having that conversation within yourself and that voice is still in your head, that's already a mercy from Allah in itself. That consciousness. Yeah, that consciousness is so, it's such a good sign because Allah still has enough mercy for you to make you realize that oh crap i really need to change don't feel so disheartened because we're so we're always reminded of the punishment and everything which is fine but we're not reminded enough about the mercy of allah Mm. how kind allah is how kind how much allah wants you to run back to him because we don't understand that we're we're harsh on ourselves in terms of our relationship with allah from a slant point of view and that reflects on how you interact with everyone else that's Mm. what i found personally when i when i find that my iman is dipping and my relationship with allah is not that great i find that my interactions with other people aren't as great and i also find myself like 
constantly rushing I'm always in a rush even if I'm not late to anything I'm always in a rush yeah. I always feel like my time is just slipping by and I'm not feeling I don't feel that I don't even know how to explain it like I don't feel content within the time I'm in mm. so like I'll be sitting there and only like five minutes have gone by but I feel like 15 20 minutes has gone by I don't even feel happy about it I don't feel content I just find myself getting irritated by the smallest things it's not fulfilling yeah it's not fulfilling and so I feel like it needs to start from within because mm. what you project outside will also come back to you again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on it, really. That's not bad, thank you. I think one last thing, and that is an interesting thing for you, is because you're saying that you can be motivated all the time. Mm -hmm. But how do you get motivated or how do you maintain motivation in the small pieces? Give us practical. So for me, it's like when you when I was talking about breaking down your tasks specifically, when you've done, say you have five of those specific tasks within that big task and you complete three and you've only got two more. By that time, you've already got in full swing of your productivity. So that motivates you to like, oh, okay, I've done three. I've only got two more left and it's not even lunchtime yet. Mm. That feels good. That in itself is a motivation. I feel like when people hear about motivation, they think it's what you see on YouTube and all those speakers where it's like this big burst of energy and rainbows and colors and whatnot. It's not always like that. Sometimes your biggest motivation is being able to pay your bills on time. Mm. Sometimes it's just being able to finally breathe properly after you've had a cold. You know, that motivates you. It's like, you know what? I haven't been able to do this for a while. So that's now I can true. do it. That That's motivating in itself. I feel like the whole idea of motivation has been so glorified mm. that we don't actually know what it is. And we don't understand that it, it depends on what you, what you see as a good thing, what you see as an achievement. It's gratitude. So, yeah, a lot of it is... It is ingrained in gratitude. Yeah, I, I feel like there isn't one specific type of motivation. But one thing I have learned is that when I maintain that discipline and I keep going, that often motivates me. And then when I see the physical result at the end, that's like my ultimate motivation. Mm. It's all about taking things step by step. And you will feel it a little bit. It doesn't even have to feel like, oh my God, I feel so great. But then if you notice that you don't feel so rubbish today or you don't feel so bad today, that in itself is like, oh, I don't feel that bad today. I'm okay. <laughs> That in itself can be a motivation, you know, because it's like, like I could be feeling bad, but I'm exactly. not. So, yeah, I feel like the whole motivation thing for me, I remember writing about this. I feel like a lot of the time motivation is a scam mm. because people are so worked on trying to be motivated that they're not productive and they're not doing anything for themselves that benefits them. They're so, looking on the outside yeah, instead of the inside. Themselves. And it's just like a full circle. Mm. So wherever you feel within, you project out. And then if you're projecting out all this negativity or all this like distrust or uncertainty and you're not doing anything about it and it's out there, it's going to come back to you again. The full circle. So that's why for me, motivation does vary. And I don't feel like motivation on in itself or on its own is enough to keep you going. So for, for me, that's not what's been keeping me going. A lot of the times I found that there's certain emotions that we associate as something negative or counterproductive, but actually you need those emotions alongside all the other positive emotions to keep going because mm -hmm. we are human. We're not meant to just feel one emotion at a time. You can feel multiple emotions at a time. You can feel overwhelmed and still achieve things. It happens. That's my take on it. Nice. So um, motivation is ingrained and gratitude it's a scam sometimes most, most of the, the time 90 percent <laughs> of the time and look into yourself nice thank you so much amina and uh, now what platforms can people reach you what is your social media what is the contact of muslim creators and how can people find you so i'm mainly on twitter so my twitter is at amina underscore so a y y m i n a underscore a lot of the times that's where i put my stuff out there and then through there you'll find uh, muslim creatives so m u s l i m c 
B-R-E-A-T-V-S. Same thing on Instagram. Same. You also find me on Medium. Same Same user, Amina underscore. I've also, my work is being featured in a collection, in a book that's coming out in November. But you'll see all of that online. I'm working on a professional website. So once that's sorted, everything will be on there. But yeah, I'm mainly on my Twitter. So that's where I start all the conversations. Perfect. And Perfect. So go find her. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely. <laughs> And now, Amina and I would love to hear from you. What is the best way to tell your story? And are you already doing it? Which platforms are you using? And what forms are you using? Are you writing? Are you producing video, film, audio or images? Or do you even use media to tell your story? Go to sharediversity.com. Leave your comments down below this episode and share your diversity with us. And don't forget to like, comment and share this with your friends and your network so we can keep producing content that is relevant for you. Also, if you have any questions, use the hashtag ShareDiversityQ and just drop your question there. We'll be happy to answer it next time. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.